Welcome to the Mexico Business Now podcast. This is A View from the Top, an open space for industry experts to share knowledge, information, and expertise on the most relevant topics, events, and happenings on their corresponding sectors. Welcome everyone to the newest edition of the Mexico Business Now podcast. I'm your host, Sofia Hanna, and here with us today is Ricardo Villadiego, founder and CEO of Lumo Technologies. Lumo Technologies is a cybersecurity company that sheds light on threats, attacks, and adversaries affecting enterprises worldwide. Using actionable intelligence, Lumo provides a radical way to secure networks by enhancing and augmenting existing defense capabilities established over the past 25 years. Ricardo, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have you in our podcast. Thank you, Sofia, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Of course. Ricardo, before starting with the questions we have planned for you today, I want to give you the space to introduce yourself, Lumo Technologies, and your role within the company. I'm Ricardo Villadiego. I'm the founder and CEO of Born in Cartagena, Colombia. I quickly found my passion in cybersecurity uh, in life, and I have built a couple of companies in cybersecurity. The first one was in the anti-fraud space. I exited of that business in 2017, and in 2019, I started Lumo Technologies. And at Lumo, we help companies of all sizes and verticals to operate cybersecurity proficiently. In a world where cybersecurity is one of the main concerns of companies and attacks are spreading at increasingly higher speed, affecting companies of all sizes across all continents and across all verticals. So we're very passionate about what we're doing at Lumo, Sophia. Perfect, Ricardo. And could you tell me a little about yourself as well? Sure. Like, like I said, was born in Cartagena, Colombia, studied electronic engineer in Bogota. And after that, I started working for Unisys Corporation, helping, this is probably late 90s or mid 90s, helping the ATM machines of the time to speak TCP IP. And that's where I founded that the banks were going to put electronic transactions over that protocol, which was an insecure protocol, bad things were going to happen. And that, that was exactly what occurred. My journey took me to work for Internet Security Systems, one of the large companies in cybersecurity. This is now early 2000s. I helped to scale that business in Latin America. And then after the founder of the company sold that business to IBM, I decided to start my first company, Easy Solutions. And with Easy Solutions, we were helping banks to fight back online fraud. And I had this crazy vision vision that from Latin America, we were going to build a global leader in fraud prevention, right? Something very crazy at the time. This is 2007. So we were also in the middle of one of the biggest recessions in the world. And it was this crazy Colombian uh, pitching the company to uh, investors in the U.S., that we were going to build this global business and it was going to be based in Bogota, Colombia, something that was never done in the past. I remember one of those investors that gave me the advice of raising the first round of the company in Latin America. So we raised about 3.2 million, was some of the companies that built what's called today Grupo Antioqueño de Medellín. So we started acquiring customers in Latin America to the point that uh, the Garner, one of the prominent industry analysts, recognized Lumo as one of the leaders in the anti-fraud space. And that's when a lot of investors in, in the U.S. started to be interested about the story we were building at Lumo. 
And we finally got in 2013 an injection of 11 million to scale the company outside of LATAM. And we started our presence in the US. You know, a couple of years after 2015, we raised another 15 million to push the company towards Europe, Asia Pacific, and the Middle East. And that dream of building the global leader in electronic fraud prevention became a reality. In 2017, we were the global leader in electronic fraud prevention. We're servicing about 700 banks across the globe, protecting over 700 millions of users using these technologies. And then, you know, there's a point where you identify that it's better to leave that child to someone that can take better care of that. Uh, we sold the company in 2017. A couple of years after, my passion of, for solving problems in cybersecurity took me to build Lumo Technologies. Thank you for that introduction, Ricardo. Sounds like it's been quite a journey to get to where you are now, which will make our conversation very interesting. I want to dive right into the questions and ask you, with so many high-profile data breaches making headlines in recent years, what steps can companies take to protect themselves against cyber attacks while innovating within their operations? I think cybersecurity has evolved, Sophia, in, in, in a mindset in which companies deploy tools that will defend them, and those tools are going to keep the adversary out today and in 1,000 years, right? And I think that the fact of what's happening today is that that is no longer true. You deploy defense tools, and those tools have to be adjusted to the threat landscape that companies are facing. What Lumu does, uh, and it does it extremely well, is that it helps company to measure compromise, which is the ultimate outcome that you want to have in your business. That's the main reason why companies invest in cybersecurity. They want to avoid being compromised. However, measuring that is something that has not been done intentionally, right? I deploy those defense tools, like I said at the beginning, and then I just hope that those tools do their job until they don't, and we are in the middle of an attack. We measure the contact with what we call adversarial infrastructure. And if a network that we're protecting is in contact with adversarial infrastructure or threat actors, that's something that you don't want to see in the network. And then we illuminate, as we like to say, we illuminate those instances of contacts with threat actors so that the cybersecurity team can be decisive of stopping that behavior and as a result, protect the company that they're defending. Now, I was also wanting to ask you, what are some of the most promising technologies or trends in the cybersecurity industry right now in general, and how do you see this evolving in the future? Many trends, right? I think, you know, the, the first thing that I, I like to say in cybersecurity is that there is a mindset shift that's required. Right, that mindset shift in which I buy tools and those tools defend me today and in 1,000 years versus that mindset in which those tools have to be operated, those tools have to be orchestrated. There's some type of synchrony that we have to build among those tools to ensure that they continuously defend the organization efficiently. Now, what are some technologies that help us to do so? Just like a combination of three specific trends that are helping to make cybersecurity better today. Number one is cloud computing, right? And the prices around storing data in the cloud. 
those prices are going down significantly. So that helps today to make possible to ingest an unlimited amount of data and store that unlimited amount of data in the cloud. At the same time, the computing power that exists in the cloud help to analyze all that data with unlimited computing power. That is something that it didn't exist 10 years ago. The increase of bandwidth that connects the companies, regardless of where those companies are. Some of them are close to Patagonia in Argentina or in Alaska. And regardless of that location, we can get that data into a cloud server, analyze that data in seconds. And lastly, when you have data, unlimited computing power, you have the ability to deploy AI models that helps to identify anomaly behaviors among that data. Those three trends help today to solve the cybersecurity problem in a way that's more effectively. And we're discussing trends, but I think it is also important to point out that even with the attention on protecting companies from cybercrime, we are aware that there is an increasing trend of attacks. So what do you see as the most pressing issues that cybersecurity companies will face in the coming years? I think the first one has to do with security leaders understanding the fact that there's no silver bullet. You deploy these tools and those tools have to be operated and operation becomes the ultimate enabler to stop today threats and tomorrow threats. So the ability to build that proficiency around operating cybersecurity is truly what's going to help companies to win in the battle today and win in the battle in the future. So the first pressing issue is business leaders understanding their reality and making the chief towards enabling those capabilities within the companies. And how do you enable those capabilities within the company? Well, you enable those capabilities within the company when you embrace the tools that enable this concept to be implemented, right? That's the first thing, as opposed to that old mindset of, I buy a tool that defends today's threat that is gonna be obsolete when the new threat arises, right? You want to build a concept that enables you to stop today's threats and tomorrow's threats. And there is one thing that, it, that enables companies to do so, and it's the ability to operate cybersecurity effectively. So there is no tool that will enable to do that. The other is, is the people, right? How those tools augment the power of your team. How the tools that you have augment the power that your cybersecurity team has to defend the organization more effectively. And there is a lot of talk about talent share in cybersecurity, and that talent share in cybersecurity is never going to be solved if we continue to deploy tools that requires people that have to go through thousands of dollars of training to operate those tools. The only way we're going to solve that problem is when the tools that we deploy enables cybersecurity operators to do that without significant training or with a training that they can absorb by themselves, right? So the tool is, is very critical on that. And then lastly, I think is just accepting those dynamics in which the cyber criminals have the potential to evolve infinitely, right? That is a fact. We have seen that for the past 25 years. The adversary have the ability to evolve significantly. So the tools that I deploy, the model of cybersecurity that I deploy needs to have the ability to evolve infinitely. 
that's the only way we're going to stop today's attacks and tomorrow's attacks. And Ricardo, in terms of change of mindset required by the industry to keep up with cybersecurity needs? So number one, accepting that the attacker can evolve significantly. So if that is the case, then the way I defend my organizations have to be with tools that embrace the concept of unlimited evolution. How do you buy a tool today, implement that concept? Well, you buy a tool that is capable to continuously detect when your network contacts adversary infrastructure. We call that continuous compromise assessment. That's the tool that enables that. On top of that tool, you need to have the mindset that cybersecurity has to be operated. So when the tool highlights an incident, that incident has to be operated. That incident has to result in changes in the cybersecurity stack that the company has deployed today. That's the only reason why the tool identify an anomaly. And operating that incident is what's going to help you to be more in line with defending the company or less in line with defending the company, meaning you're closer to be breached or you're closer to be attacked by a ransomware gang, so on and so forth. Is that mindset what I'm referring to? No longer assume that the tools will do their job by themselves. Right. I would like to change the subject slightly. I'm interested in knowing, after so many years working in the industry, how do you see the work of cybersecurity professionals? Well, cybersecurity professionals, you know, they are concerned and in some cases burnt out with too many alerts. The tools that they have today are producing too many alerts for them to be effectively defending the companies that they're defending. And there is also a trend of a lot of people going out of the cybersecurity business because of that. And I don't believe that they go out of the cybersecurity business because they don't want to be in cybersecurity. As a matter of fact, you know, I think they love cybersecurity. I think they go out of the business because they don't feel they have the ability to defend the companies that they are protecting effectively. And that happens because they don't get the sponsorship of the management team of those companies to deploy tools that they need to do their job effectively. That's number one. I am an optimistic on that sense. I believe that more so now that the market is moving towards the need to change the mindset of cybersecurity operations, right? That's, that's truly what we've seen today is that after 25 years of attacks, the market has realized that doing more of the same is not going to result in a different outcome. It has been like that in every aspect of life, right? If you want to get a different outcome, you have to do things differently. And that's what we see happening in cybersecurity. So I am an optimist in that sense. At the same time, I think there's been a lot of, when companies are breached, companies see that as something bad, right? And when you are fighting against an adversary that can evolve significantly, so the chances that the adversary affect you are real. So it's not bad that companies are being breached. What is bad is that we're not learning from those breaches rapidly so that we can change and adjust the set of defenses and this cybersecurity model that help us to protect more companies more effectively. I think that's also one of the reasons why cybersecurity CISOs and cybersecurity analysts are leaving the market is because 
They don't have the right tools. My management is not giving me the tools that I need to do my job better. And if something bad happens, it's going to be my fault. Even though I'm the one highlighting the problem, I'm the one requesting the tools. I don't get the tools. And still, uh, I'm forced to defend these organizations, but I don't have the tools and I don't have the budget. So it's kind of what I see in the market today. But, you know, cybersecurity analysts, I think they do a great job today. I think when you give them the tools that they need, they defend the organizations effectively. There is also that need that have to exist in cybersecurity that the failing is not necessarily something bad. We cannot see a company being breached as a failure. We need to see that as an opportunity of learning, as an opportunity to embracing change in the organization. And we have been We've been very vocal about that. There is a study that we have about CISO learnings that highlights high profiling CISOs, like the CISO of Twitter, when he got breached and how he handled that situation. The more that we embrace that model, the more that we as an industry is going to come out on the lighter side. We have to learn so that the rest of the community is better protected. I'm particularly intrigued by this. Given that cybersecurity has been around for a while, but just now with the huge digitalization demand, people seem to be realizing its importance and its difference with physical security, where you can just have a security guard. When it comes to digital security, you have to be on top of new threats and their evolution. For example, in the case of AI, one of technology's hottest trends right now, how has it impacted the cybersecurity industry, both in terms of threats and solutions? I like that question, Sophia, because we we tend to believe that when innovation happens, the good guys are the only one that embrace that innovation. But in cybersecurity, you see that both sides, the technology is available for the good guys and for the bad guys. So AI is great, and AI is creating significant transformation in the way we detect threats, and we highlight those threats to the companies. But at the same time, the bad guys are using that technology more so now with the generative AI that is helping cybersecurity guns to be more effective and crafting better attacks to the customer. So on the good side, you know, AI is helping companies to detect better threats. I think with the use, with the effective use of Gen AI, we're gonna be able to reduce the bar of the skill that is required for security analysts to jump into the industry. So the effective use of those technologies are going to be able to have more people being effectively a superstar in cybersecurity, something that requires a lot of training in the past. That is on the good side. On the bad side, definitely they are using AI tools today to test the attacks against the cybersecurity stack that companies have. So if I'm if I'm attacking company A and I know company A have and a specific set of defenses, I want to make sure that the attack that I build using AI is able to bypass those cybersecurity tools that exist today. So that's something that's happening today. There's no doubt that 91% of the attacks are spread through email, simply through email. It is like that because in the cyberspace, there are no signs of danger. It's not like in the physical world where, you know, if I go to one street, you know, and I see the cars going fast, well, you know, I stop until there are no cars so that I cross the street because there's no danger. In the cyberspace, it's not like that. 
So the email that you're responding today looks exactly the same as the 100 emails that you respond to your other colleagues. So the bad guys are using AI tools to make those emails become more familiar to you, augmenting the chances that they have for an end user to fall on the attack to reveal sensitive information or confidential information, which gives them more chances to break into accounts. So those are the two avenues. Attackers are becoming more effective building their attacks, and defenders are becoming also more effective spotting attacks built to affect their organizations. Now, we're talking about bad guys using AI, but also some people see AI as the bad guy itself. It's seen as something that has come to take over jobs. So what's your take on this? If we're using AI to make sure cyber walls are solid and not corrupted, foresee attacks and so on, will AI replace cybersecurity professionals? I don't believe that AI is going to eliminate the jobs in cybersecurity. I don't see as that. I think AI is going to augment the capabilities that the human has to do better their job on one side, right? If you have a set of highly skilled cybersecurity analysts, today, the use of AI, they're going to be able to do that job for 100 companies as opposed to 10 companies. So AI is going to augment the capabilities of the humans in cybersecurity. That's on one side. On the other side, AI is going to reduce the bar for new professionals to enter the industry. Before the use of Gen AI techniques in cybersecurity, a cybersecurity analyst have to spend $10,000 in trainings and two years before he became a highly skilled cybersecurity analyst, two to five years. Today, with the use of Gen AI techniques, a junior security analyst can defend the organizations better, in some cases, way better than a highly skilled cybersecurity analyst that it's not using those tools. You know, that's kind of the paradigm shift that we see in the effective use of AI from the defender side. We cannot talk about AI without addressing ethical considerations, because it is not an answer for everything. It does have limitations that we should take into account. So with the increasing use of AI and machine learning in this field, what are some of the ethical considerations that companies and people within the industry need to be aware of? The first one, Sophia, has to do with the fact that AI can be used for good guys and for bad guys. So that's the first one. It's not that AI only sits for the good guys. It would be nice that way, right? But that's not the reality. That's the first ethical consideration that we have to be aware of, is that there's going to be AI-driven attack. In some cases, AI-driven attacks that we don't know yet how they're going to evolve, because that's how AI works. Now, on the other hand, you see that besides all the talking about Gen AI being able to build high convincing stories that are fake, that's something that is happening. That will happen more. The use of large language models or what the market is naming generative AI, they're going to build high convincing stories that are fake. That's going to happen more. And because that's going to happen more, phishing attacks, business email compromise attacks are going to rise with the use of AI. I think that's all expected. What is less expected is how AI, how using AI techniques, cyber criminals are going to be able to poison 
good AI techniques, right? Something that the market is labeling AI versus AI. So the AI that we, the good guys, are using have to defend and to detect potential poisoning attacks that will drop our AI models to make bad decisions. Like in a ransomware example, just to make the use of that word because it creates a lot of awareness. So a bad AI model can poison a good AI model so that the good AI model don't understand that it is being affected by a ransomware attack. That is something, those type of attacks are going to happen in the near future. And that's kind of what's more concerning from the use of AI. And when we include the ethical world into AI, you know, it's scary because there are a lot of things that we don't know yet how they're going to evolve, how the bad guys are going to use AI to build traffic in the network that is going to be consumed for good AI models and now become part of the pattern of the network that we're defending so that when they create an attack using those traffic patterns or identify as normal behavior in those networks. Those are the type of things that we see are going to happen in in the future in, in, in terms of the use of AI for the bad guys. Perfect, Ricardo. Thank you so much. I will now start closing our interview by asking about something I saw you published on your website. Which do you consider to be the ultimate missing link in cybersecurity? Well, you know, selfishly, I have to tell you it's continuous compromise assessment, but I'm going to give you some context about that. And the context is the end result of the investment in cybersecurity is to avoid compromise. Yet, that's the one thing that companies are not measuring continuously and intentionally. So how is it possible that I'm going to improve something that I'm not measuring? That defies every purpose of good management across any process. There's no possibility that I can improve something that I'm not measuring. LUMU continuous compromise assessment enables companies to measure that state of compromise. Only by knowing that, you can improve your security posture. You can take better decisions about how to protect your organizations, about how to deploy defenses, about how to operate cybersecurity and so on and so forth. And we're very happy to see the adoption that the technology is taken across the world. I really like the idea of the missing link. I think it is something many are looking for and that many seek to understand and measure. I'm glad that you like it and I'm glad that the market is liking it uh, and, and the, it's taking a significant adoption. At the same time, it produces doubts, right? But uh, like I tell the customers all the time, right? We have embraced change before. I was doing a, a talk last week and what this technology create is the ability to build disruption. And disruption is a world that creates concerns, right? Because no one wants to feel disrupted. Disruptor means change. And humans, we don't like change that much. However, we all have embraced change, right? We embrace change when Netflix disrupted Blockbuster, right? I don't believe anyone is trying to find a store to rent a movie to watch that movie in their house, right? That doesn't happen today. That was a perfect example of disruption. We all go to our house, browse the movies and shows that Netflix is presenting to us, and we pick and choose that and it's delivering instantaneously. It's a perfect example of disruption. There are others like, you know, we Uber all the time. I don't remember when I called a taxi. 
the last time. That is another perfect example of disruption. Well, the same is happening in cybersecurity. These technologies are disrupting the way companies can operate cybersecurity, and they can do it simpler, more effectively, spending less money, and that creates doubts. Well, I'm glad that the market has identified that this technology is able to do that and that they can feel more secure, which is something that is even greater, right? It's the sense of security that companies feel when they have the ability to measure the safe compromise and respond in real time to that. Now, sliding into our last two questions, if you could give one piece of advice to people listening to the podcast in relation to what we've talked about here today, what would you tell them? I think I give you two pieces of, of advice, right? On cybersecurity, cybersecurity leave evidence where they go. And in, in the networks, in the companies, that evidence is in the network. So the network is your source of truth when you are trying to identify if a cyber criminal is lurking in your company. So getting the visibility to identify those attacks are critical and going to enable you to do a better job at defending your organizations. On the personal side, work. I think the harder that I work, the luckier that I get. That is true today, and it has been true for a thousand years. So if you want something in life, you have to work for it. That's the only way you're going to get it. The harder I work, the luckier I get. I love that, Ricardo. And finally, if you could recommend a book, podcast, or any piece of content that you would like for our audience to check out, I read a lot, so I'll give you some books. And again, I'm going to give you one on cybersecurity. There's a book that was uh, launched during the pandemic. It's called A Leader's Guide to Cybersecurity. Why boards need to lead and how to do it. It's a book that simplifies how management and board members can and should be involved with cybersecurity. More so now that an attack can impact the entire businesses. Right. There's no longer those attacks that you know use affect the company five minutes on the internet. No, today an attack can take down a company for weeks. We have seen that in Latin, we've seen that across the globe. There's another book for those that are listening that like to build products. There is a, a book that I love called Crossing the Chasms. Right. That is a book that explains how technologies get adopted and what makes innovation go. Uh, from early adopters to mainstream adoption. It's a classic book that people that are building companies and products should definitely get in hand. And lastly, on a personal level, there is a book that I love called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And when you're building a company, you know, that's just truer than ever. What got you here won't get you there. What helped you to get the first round of investment is not what's going to get you to get the next one. The way you handle your company when you were five employees or 10 employees is completely different than when you get 50 and when you get 100 and when you get 500. And so what got you here won't get you there. It helped us to build the right mindset of change that we need for the different stages of the journey that we're building. Again, thank you so much, Ricardo. Those were all of my questions. And I want to thank you for being here with us in the podcast and sharing your insights. Thanks for having me, Sophia. To everyone listening, go check out what Lumo Technologies is doing. Check out their social media, their LinkedIn, and their websites. Don't forget to follow us, leave a rating and a review on whichever streaming platform you're using to listen to this podcast. And if you want to learn more about Mexico's business ecosystem, don't miss out on our audio articles written by experts across all our industries. And we'll see you next Monday with a new View from the Top. <music>